Hey everybody, before we dive into week number three of Multiply, let me tell you what is coming up. First of all, do we have any men in the house? Any men around the place? We've heard a lot of buzz about sisters, but next Saturday is for the men and the men only. We have a live simulcast to all the LifeSearch.tv locations, and I hope every single one of you men can be a part as we release my new book called Fight, Winning the Battles That Matter Most. The amazing news is we're actually gonna broadcast this live simulcast to over 1,000 churches across the United States and beyond. So man, I hope to see you next Saturday for the Fight Simulcast. Then coming up after that weekend, we're gonna start a brand new series called Necessary Sins. Many people think that anger, lust, gossip, and lying are necessary just to get through life, but the reality is they are sins, and God is gonna to speak to us. Let's go now to week number three of the series, Multiply. Well, welcome today to all of our life churches and our network churches and to our family members all over the world at Church Online. We are so glad that you're with us today for the third and the final message in the series called Multiply. Next week, we're going to talk about fight, and then we have the series called Necessary Sins coming up. Today, as we wrap up the series Multiply, I want to tell you about something that I love and something, honestly, that I don't love so much. One thing that I absolutely and completely love is to talk about generosity. With all of my heart, I love talking about generosity, probably because, quite honestly, I was not a generous person for a long time. In fact, I was the opposite of generous. I had the spiritual gift of being a tightwad. And the good news is that the work of God did a divine work in my heart and helped me to learn to be more generous. And now, as a church, quite honestly, one of our core values is generosity. And we love to say it this way. We love to say that we will lead the way with irrational generosity because we truly believe it is more blessed to give than to receive. And I pray that our church is known in circles all over the world for reflecting this value. We will lead the way with irrational generosity because we do believe it is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, I love talking about this, but quite honestly, I hate the way it's often done in my church circles. And I never wanna be critical about other ministries, but unfortunately, sometimes when you talk about giving, the message can become kind of manipulative. In fact, you know, you may be flipping across the TV screen and you see, you know, the, the TV preacher that just kind of says, you know, sow your seed and you're going to reap today. You know, give your seed and you're going to get a thousand dollars or whatever. And you kind of want to say, hashtag use your real voice, you know, for one thing. <laughs> and, and then, you know, you, you just don't want it to get manipulative, which it's easy to do so, especially when you hear the word sowing and reaping, which that's actually the title of this message today, sowing and reaping. In fact, I'll be real transparent with you. Uh, for the first 20 years of teaching as a pastor, I never taught on sowing and reaping when it comes to giving. I taught about sowing and reaping when it comes to living. If you sow sinful seeds, you're gonna reap a painful harvest. 
but I never taught on it in reference to giving because I really didn't always like the way that it was done. Well, I want to do it today, and I believe today as we look at Scripture, you're going to see that the principles of sowing and reaping, they are incredibly biblical. They are true through and through, and I believe that they will speak to many people's hearts today. So what I want to do is start with a key thought. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. Our key thought about sowing and reaping is this. What you keep is all you have. What you give, God multiplies. What you keep is all you will ever have. But what you give, God multiplies. Let's all, 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 everybody repeat after me. What I keep, what I keep is, all I have. is all I have. What I give, what I give God, multiplies. God multiplies. One more time. What I keep, what I keep is, all I have. is all I have. What I give, what I give God, multiplies. God multiplies. What you keep is all you have, but what you give, God can multiply. In fact, Jesus taught it very, very clearly in Luke 6, 38. Jesus said, give and what will happen? Everybody say it aloud. He said, give and it will be given to you. In other words, when you give, God will multiply it. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will it be poured into your lap? For the measure you use it, it will be measured to you. Give and it will be given to you. What you keep is all you have, but what you give, God multiplies. Now, the first part of this verse was really clear to me. Give and it will be given to you. But quite honestly, for years, the other part was a little bit confusing to me. What is it? Good measure, pressed down, shaken together. It sounds like a dance to me or something. I, 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 I don't know. And so I did a little research on it, and what I found was really interesting to me. We all knew that when Jesus was talking, he was talking to primarily an, uh, a group of people who understood what it meant to farm. As that's how they would make, many would make their living. And they would have known that if someone was harvesting wheat, that the laborers would often get paid at the end of the week in wheat. Well, wheat's heavy if you put it in baskets, and according to a couple of commentaries I read, they would take these baskets, and when they would carry them from one side of the field, perhaps to the other, or, or the place of storage, they wouldn't fill it to the top because it was quite heavy during the week. They might fill it half full, or if they were really strong, three quarters of the way full, and they would carry it so they wouldn't strain their back. But at the end of the week, a generous landowner would often pay the workers in wheat, and they would say, the last basket isn't for me, but it's for you. You can take it home, and that is your wage. Now, question, how full do you think the last basket <laughs> would be? Well, it would certainly be pressed down, shaken together, perhaps even running over is how full the basket would be. It's a little bit like if you go to the, play, the convenience store to get an Icy. I don't know if you ever do this or not, but when you get an Icy cup, and if you just fill it up, there is air in there, and you have not maximized your Icy return unless you shake it down, press it, and then even put the lid on the top with a little hole, fill it all the way up to the top of the lid. Some might even spill over, and then you can lick it up on the side. And I've even known some people, I would never do this, would actually stick a straw in there, drink a little bit, and then top it off before they'd leave the store. Okay? 
when you give, this is how God gives back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will it be given unto you. If you keep what you have, that's all you have. But what you give, God can multiply. Now, we need to be real careful when we talk about this because in my world, the church world, there can be really two dangerous extremes. If you're new to church, you may not have heard these terms, but they're terms we talk about behind the scenes all the time. There's what's known as the prosperity gospel and the poverty gospel. The prosperity gospel is one extreme that basically teaches if you just have enough faith and if you just give, then you're going to be rich and healthy and whole in every way and nothing bad should happen to you. If you just give, you're going to be rich. And unfortunately, I believe that is a gross distortion of what Scripture teaches, and that extreme is potentially very, very dangerous. On the other side, there's an equally dangerous extreme known as the poverty gospel. And that is, prosperity says, hey, if you're righteous, you're rich. The poverty gospel says, oh, no, if you're rich, you're unrighteous. The only righteous people are the poor people who give everything away or don't have anything at all. And that, again, is an equally dangerous message because Scripture actually says that God blesses people. And sometimes he blesses them with health, and sometimes with relationships, and sometimes God blesses people with wealth. It's a blessing, one of the many blessings from God. Scripture actually says God does bless people with wealth. So it's not about what you have or what you don't have as much as it is about the condition of your heart and how you manage what God gives you. So just because there are dangerous extremes does not mean that we shouldn't walk down the middle with biblical faithfulness and teach the powerful truth that Jesus said, if you give, it will be given unto you, that what you keep is all you have, but what you give, God can and will multiply. So I want to give you two very simple principles of sowing and reaping. Then I want to look at 2 Corinthians 9 and go verse by verse and let the Bible speak to us. So, foundation principles of sowing and reaping. Two things, if you're taking notes, the first one is this. Number one, you reap what you sow. You reap what you sow. Galatians 6, 7 says this, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. Let's read this last part aloud. A man does what? A man reaps what he sows. You reap what you sow. In other words, if you plant an apple seed, you're going to plant it. You're going to reap an apple tree. You're not going to get an orange tree. You're going to get an apple tree. Uh, we had some pumpkins one fall, and I threw them out into the woods because I didn't want to put them in the garbage can. And guess what I had in the woods next year? Pumpkins. It was amazing. I thought I could go into business carving pumpkins. But, but I threw the pumpkins out. I got a pumpkin back. You reap what you sow. If you smile at somebody, chances are you might reap a so smile back. If you, if you forgive people when they wrong you, they'll be more likely to forgive you. If you treat your wife with, with tenderness, love, and respect, she's more likely to return that to you. If you give your wife a hard time, you reap what you sow. You give her a hard time, she will multiply it and give you hell. 
And all the ladies said, yeah. Very good, right? You reap what you sow. The second thing, if you're taking notes, is this. You reap more than you sow. Not only do you reap what you sow, but you reap more than you sow. Matthew 19, verse 29, Jesus said this. He said, everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or fields for my sake, they will receive what? Say it with me. They will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. They will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. In other words, if you give up something for the glory of God, eternally you will reap way more than what you gave. What you keep is all you have, but what you give, God multiplies. In fact, Jesus told a parable in Matthew 13 about a sower who went out to sow some seed. And the sower cast seed on different kinds of ground. And some of the ground returned a harvest that was 30 times what was planted. Better ground returned 60 times what was planted. And the best soil actually returned 100 times what was planted. You reap what you sow, and you reap more than you sow. In fact, we had kind of a, a miracle story happen to us years ago. And again, God's not some kind of cosmic Coke machine where you put your money in and press the button and poof, he gives you exactly what you want. And I don't ever want you to hear that, but I do want you to realize that God does bless those who give. In fact, um, Amy and I were really excited about a vacation that we had planned coming up and we had saved up money to pay for it in cash. And uh, right before we were gonna go, some friends of ours called and they were super excited, but they were panicked. They were actually adopting a child from overseas and these things usually drag out, cost way more money and take way more time and are really complicated. Well, in this odd case, the baby was actually gonna be ready um, sooner and they needed their money now and they didn't have the money. They said, well, what do we do? It's gonna be X number of thousand dollars and they, they told us. And I just looked at Amy, and she just nodded. We didn't even have to think about it. And we said, we'll cover it. It's our gift. It's not a loan. It's our gift. And we took the money we had saved for vacation, and we just gave it to them. And we felt tremendous joy to do this. Like, that was the right thing to do. And then we got off the phone, and we're like, praise God we got to do that. We'll come up with something else for vacation. And I'm telling you, it wasn't very long at all. Our phone rang, miracle story. And there was a family that we knew from the church that we're good friends with. And they said, oh, we were just kind of thinking, and God put you guys on our heart. We own a little three-bedroom condo in Colorado, and it just sits there vacant in the summer. And we were wondering, would you like to send your family, and we'll let you stay there absolutely for free? <laughs> now, that's pretty amazing. But what's more amazing, we had so much fun, and we were so blessed by it. And they were so blessed to be able to do this for us, they offered it the next year, and the next year, and the next year. I'm here to tell you, for the next 12 years, we went every summer back to the same place. And you could just say, if you're looking at this kind of metaphorically, we gave what we had a, a, a vacation to someone else and got blessed again and again 
back by the goodness of God and the generosity of other people. And again, that's not to say give your Hawaii vacation away and you get to travel around the world for the rest of your life, but you do understand the principle that you reap what you sow and you reap more than what you sow. Now, if that's not good news enough, I want to give you three giving truths straight from 2 Corinthians chapter 9. We'll read verses 6 through verse 11, break it down into three different points. The first one, if you're taking notes, as we're talking about generosity, is so important. Number one, your heart matters when you give. Everybody say, my heart matters. Say it again, my heart matters. Your heart matters when you give. In fact, Paul said this when he was talking to the Corinthians in verse 6. He said this, he said, remember, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. In other words, if you don't plant a lot of seeds, you're not going to get a great harvest. If you don't give much, you're not as likely to get as much um, for your generosity. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will reap what? They will reap generously. Then he says this, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. This is important. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for what kind of a giver does God love? Scripture says, for God loves a cheerful giver. God loves it when we give with the right heart, because the heart really matters when we give. God loves a cheerful giver. Uh, in fact, some commentaries say that you could translate that the, the word in the Greek that says cheerful to hilarious. There's like, like <laughs> I get to do this. That when you have that kind of heart, it really matters. In fact, last week, Pastor Robert, when he was teaching, said about giving, he said, this is fun. And, and you, could, you could feel it when he said it. Like, this, is, this really is fun. Unfortunately for some, it's not fun yet. In fact, there's an old story about a mom that had two different dollar bills, a $5 bill and a $1 bill. And the mom was going to teach her daughter about, about giving. And she said, here's a five and a one. One of these is for you and one of them is for God. You decide which one. Well, on Sunday, the pastor said, God loves a cheerful giver. And the offering plate came by and the little girl was wrestling at one, five, one, five, one, five. And she put the $1 bill in and she put the five in her pocket. And afterwards, the mom was saying, so what was going through your mind when, when you did that? And the little girl said, well, the pastor said, God loves a cheerful giver. And I thought I'd be a lot more happy if I kept the five and <laughs> gave God the one. And to be really honest, I mean, let's just call it what it is. That's what a lot of us believe. We'd be happier if we keep what we have. And the reason I know that is because that was my heart for years and years and years. I didn't realize the joy of generosity. I talked to a mentor, and, and, and I was really, God was dealing with me about becoming more generous. I said, what do I do? And I never will forget, he said, give and give and give until you love it. And that's what I had to start doing. I had to start giving before I loved it until I started to love it. And now it is a core value of mine and of our churches. We will lead the way with irrational generosity because we truly do believe it is more blessed to give than to receive. You give until you love it. Heart matters. In fact, I can't tell you how many incredible 
emotional giving stories I've heard through the years. Uh, a single mom who told me she just gave her first tithe, and she had tears of joy. You could tell she was nervous, but she said, oh, I'm just, I'm believing that God is going to bless this. And, and he, there was faith, and there was this sense of joy. Uh, there was another person that said God put it on their heart to give a car away. That wasn't a real nice car, but there was like this, this oh my gosh, God's going to use us to bless somebody in a significant way. And there was this intense joy. Uh, one time, a few years ago, when we got our first kind of large gift from the church, the, the guy told me, he said, we wrestled, my wife and I, about this for months. It wasn't just a tithe. It was well above the tithe, the tithe and an offering, and it was the biggest gift anyone had ever given. And he, he gave it that day, and, and afterwards he called me back. He said, oh my gosh, I can't believe this. After we finally gave it, we had joy all day long. We're like, look how God used us to expand the kingdom. He said, this was one of the best days that I ever had. I looked at him on the phone and said, why don't you have a good day again tomorrow and do it again? <laughs> and the truth is, he actually continued to do uh, that. And he's a wealthy guy. He told me later on, he said, people always ask me for an investment advice. He said, you know what I tell him now? And he, was, he teared up when he told me this. He said, the best investment advice I have for people is this. I've never had a better investment than investing in my local church to see what it does around the world. And there's joy in that. There, there's, there's joy in that. Here, here's the deal. When you give, your heart is right. I have never in my life heard an emotional keeping story. I've never heard an emotional keeping story. Oh, we were thinking about blessing someone, but oh, I thank God we kept it for ourselves. We, we were praying about being generous to the church, giving above our tithe, and giving an offering to compassion to help people who are in need. But, oh, I thank God we shook that temptation off and we kept our resources for ourselves. There's a single mom and, and, and her family probably isn't going to have Christmas, you know, and we were considering helping them out. But, oh, hallelujah, we overcame that horrible temptation and we decided to make sure they don't have a good Christmas. Thank the Lord God in heaven. No such thing as an emotional keeping story. But when you give and your heart is in the right place, there's something powerful about that. Your heart matters when you give. The second thing, if you're taking notes, is this. You need to understand you cannot outgive God. You cannot outgive God. You cannot outgive God. Verse 8 continues. And God is able to bless you abundantly. Notice it doesn't say your job or the government, but God is able to bless you abundantly. So that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. I love this. God will increase your store of seed and enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. In other words, when he blesses you, it won't just be with money, but it'll enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. In fact, there are two times when you are most like God, when you are giving and when you are forgiving. 
When you are giving and you are forgiving, you are incredibly like God, and he will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You cannot outgive God. And I can tell you firsthand, uh, story after story, how at the age of 28 years old when we started this church and we went all in, cashed everything out, everything completely went all in. In our 30s, all in again, all in. And then that fateful time when God spoke to our, our leadership and prompted us to do something that made no sense whatsoever. And that was to give as many resources away to churches and people around the world that we possibly could, to give our sermons, our videos, transcripts, curriculum, anything and everything we could. And at that time when we made that decision, we did not have extra. We were strapped financially. And we started giving and we started giving. And that is when God started blessing us. That's when, that's when the harvest time came. And what's very sobering to me is to realize now at the age of 45 that I am living in the season of the harvest. God has increased the store of seed. We gave and gave and gave, and now God is giving us more. But I need to realize, if I keep it, that's all we have. What God has actually done is increased our seed, and now we can give even more. Incredibly emotional to me, because we gave a lot when we didn't have much. And the reality is you cannot outgive God. Your heart matters when you give. You cannot outgive God. And number three, I love this. People will thank God because of what you give. People will thank God because of what you give. Verse 11 says this, you will be enriched in every way. Why? So it's all for you? Look at what scripture says. You will be enriched in every way so you can be what? Everybody read it aloud. So you can be generous on every occasion. Imagine that. Every chance you see, boom, generous. Opportunity, generous. You can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Imagine people lifting their hands and thanking God because of you. Imagine people worshiping God because God used you to meet a need in their life. Your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. And I need to just tell you that there are people that thank me all the time for your generosity. And I mean that. When I go to pastor's conferences, and I say this humbly, they line up in lines to come up to me and say, thank you for the free resources. Thank you for the sermons. There are 120,000 church leaders this year who've downloaded over a million free resources that you provided because of your generosity. And they cry, they say it saved their marriages, they say it's blessed their churches, and they say, tell you, thank you for your generosity. There's 112 million devices that have the free YouVersion Bible app on it. There'll be over two million new people download that to their, their devices this month, more than two million this month. And they say thank you. They thank you because that is a free gift based on your generosity. There are thousands of churches this weekend who will have church online 
a resource they couldn't create and couldn't even afford, that because of your generosity, it's a free gift to help churches around the world spread their ministry, and they say thank you because of your generosity. There are hundreds of network churches uh, that use this teaching this weekend in cities all over the world. One opened up in a community a few weeks ago of 5,000 people. In a community of five, they had 700 people on their very first weekend at a network church. And there's another one opening up even this weekend. Because of your generosity, people will thank God. And when your heart is there and you realize that you're enriched not for your own benefit, but so you can be a blessing, it changes everything. And if if I'm passionate about it, it's because God has changed my heart. God has changed my heart. And yes, we gave, and yes, we gave, and yes, we've been blessed with books and such. We've been honored to give away the vast majority of those blessings. In fact, Amy had this crazy dream for years. She said, I want one day to do a ministry house to help women who are coming out, transitioning out of human trafficking or other dire situations. And finally, God put it on my heart to say, now's the time. Let's do it. And so we started searching for the house, and oddly enough, we couldn't find anything. And I really felt like God said, just wait. So we put it on hold for about a month or so. We got a phone call to go and look at this house, and I didn't understand what we were going to see. When we walked in, it was a fully furnished house, and this lady, Janet, who is a part of our church that we actually know and didn't know she was going to be there, she opened up the home, and she said, Craig and Amy, welcome to your home. I said, what, 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 what do you mean? And she took us through this home. I want to show you some pictures of it. Uh, this is the outside of the home, just perfect. Inside, it was fully furnished with twin beds and bunk beds, which are actually perfect for what we're wanting to do. It had in it a fully furnished kitchen, actually two different living rooms. And I want to show you a couple of the people here. On the left, that's Tyler, who's going to live there and help the ladies. That's Barb, who's going to help manage it. And we walked through this fully furnished house, decorated perfectly. And I said, I was disoriented. What, 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 why is this like it? And she said, well, eight months ago, I bought this house to flip, and God wouldn't let me flip it. God showed me that this was to be a house used to help women coming out of dire situations. And then God showed me that Amy was supposed to use it. So on faith, I just decorated it and got it ready for you. Do you like it? Now, if that doesn't blow you away, I don't know what will blow you away. Because there are going to be women who come in here, and as long as I'm alive, they will all know two names. The name of Jesus and the name of Janet. A widow who by faith, with her own money, for eight months remodeled a house believing it would be used for something incredible. And I look at that and I just wonder, what women's lives are going to be changed? And how is Janet going to be blessed? Because you reap what you sow. And you reap more than you sow. And what you keep is all you have. But what you give, God multiplies. 
And I serve a miraculous God who loves to multiply on the generosity of people's lives who have been changed. And I cannot even begin to imagine what God is going to continue to do in your lives and through our church as we unapologetically and boldly lead the way with irrational generosity because it truly is a bigger blessing to give than it is to receive. Father, we pray that your spirit would speak to your church today. And God, that we would live a life that reflects your heart because you so loved the world that you gave your one and only son. And God, I pray that out of a reflection of the most generous, compassionate, unconditional, loving heart in the world, God, that we would reflect your love and the world would know that we belong to you as they see us love with your unconditional love and generosity. As you pray today at all of our different churches with nobody looking around, I wonder how many of you want to live in the season of the harvest where you are actually blessed beyond measure to be a blessing to those around. Would you lift up your hands right now? It should be a pretty easy question. As your hands go up all over the place, I would hope every hand would be up. You can put them down now. I'm going to pray. God, I pray that one day every single person who's a part of our church would truly see the harvest, recognizing first, God, that we do have to plant some seeds. God, I pray that you would speak to people today and show them what seeds of generosity they can plant. God, I pray that there would be those who would see the gifts you've given them and they would use them to serve in this church to make a difference with their time. God, I pray that not only would we be tithers returning the first tenth to you, but God, that you would speak to hearts about a generous offering, giving well above the tithe to this church to make a difference in this world. God, I pray that you would raise up those who would support other ministries around this world. God, I pray you would speak to hearts to, to give sacrificially, to, to meet the needs of those in the community, to, to get crazy and to maybe give a car away one day. God, I pray that you would give us seed to plant and that we would recognize that we already have that seed. What we keep is all we have, God. But give us the faith to give out of a right heart, not to return, but to be a blessing. And God, when you do return, because that is what you do, we will see it as more seed to be used to bless others. God, make us a generous church, leading the way with irrational generosity. As you keep praying today at all of our churches, there are some of you who would say, I am not even walking with God right now. I'm not even right with God. And I want to tell you about the most generous person who's ever lived, our Heavenly Father. You want to talk about a giver? Scripture says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but have eternal life. The problem is, one reason many of us are selfish is because we're all sinners separated from God. 
But because of the perfect work of Jesus on the cross, our sins can be forgiven. When we simply turn from our sins and turn toward him and say, Jesus, make me new. When you call on him, every sin you've ever committed will be forgiven and you will be brand new. And there are those of you, that's exactly why you're here today. At all of our churches, you know it, you can sense it. That's why you're here today. You need his grace and you need his love. At all of our churches, those of you who say, yes, that's me. I need him today by faith. I give my life to him. I trust Jesus to save me and be the Lord of my life. That's your prayer. Would you lift your hands high right now? Just lift them up and say, yes. That's my prayer. Just lift them up and say, yes, I give my life to him. Those of you at church online, you click right below me and we're gonna pray with people all around us. Just pray, Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sins. Make me brand new. I believe Jesus died for me and he rose again so I could live for you. Fill me with your spirit so I could serve you for the rest of my life. Thank you for new life. I give you mine. In Jesus' name I pray. Life Church, would you worship big? Thank God. Welcome those born into his family.